John 3 and verse 3. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Let me just read these other verses. If you got something to write them down, uh, write them down. But just for the sake of time, I'm just going to... First Timothy chapter 5, verse 22. Lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be partaker of other men's sins. Keep thyself pure. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Pure. Being pure. Second Peter chapter 3 and verse 1. The second epistle, beloved, I, write, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. First Timothy 1 5. Now the end of the commandment is charity out of a pure heart. You see, pure mind, pure heart, and of a good conscience, and of faith unfeigned. Second Timothy 1 3. I thank God, whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, pure mind, pure heart, pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day. Matthew 5 8. Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And then in Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, the Bible says this, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in His holy place? That's the question. Then He answers the question. He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. It's a thing that is really bothering me. Uh, it's troubling me because I see so the lack of it, purity. I, I'm not going to preach on this tonight, but let me just say this to you. Purity is not... Uh, there's more to it than just us keeping ourselves pure. Sanctification and separation are not the same things. Separation from the world is what is the natural result of being born again. But separation from the world of our own doing makes us Pharisees without God's Spirit working. See, sanctification is being made holy. And that's a work of God. It's just like we preach about salvation, the difference between being born again, God breathing life into your soul, being born again. We, we're leaving out the God part of it by our professions and our Romans roads and all of this and our plans and everybody just uh, consigning the consent form and, okay, I'm in. Well, now what do I do? And then from then on, you got all these choices to make about what kind of Christian you want to be. And that's all, that's all godless. And it's all carnal religion. It's not, sanctification works the same way. It's, there's a, there's a God part in it. He sanctifies us. But we have a responsibility also to keep ourselves from I mean, pure religion and undefiled before the Father is this, to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. That, isn't that what it says? To visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. What's the bride of Christ without spot or wrinkle or blemish or any such thing? So it's God working in us to make us holy. And we're separate from the world. 
But being separate from the world is not just what we do. That's what we've all seen through all of these last few generations, you know, the preaching separation, separation, separation. Well, I believe if you're born again, you're going to separate from the world and ungodliness and filthiness. You will. If you don't, you're not born again. Simple as that. But if you do separate from it and you just become a Pharisee looking down on everybody else and finding fault with everybody else and always looking at everybody else, there ain't no God in that. There's no God part in that. The Spirit of God. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, longness, long-suffering, kind. Yeah. What does it mean to be pure? That's what we're lacking. There's a lack of purity in, in the churches, in the people that claim to be people of God, that are known as the people of God, not pure. Primarily, it means to be clean. Simple as that. Clean. Pure is clean. You know what pure water is, don't you? You know what water that's not pure looks like, don't you? You want to drink it? No. No, you, you, you don't want that. It, it's, it means not mixed with anything else. Pure means one thing. Like the Bible talks about singleness of eye. You know, singleness of heart. We're to, we're to be focused on God. One purpose in life, that's it. We, we're not doing dueling lives here. We don't have our life in the world and our life with God. It's either or. So pure. Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, separate from all, here's some big words, heterogeneous or extraneous matter. Well, that you, you, I mean, by the sound of those words, you can tell it's bad, can't you? You don't want none of that stuff in your drink or food, do you? Clear, clear, free from mixture as pure water, pure clay, pure sand, pure air, pure silver, pure gold. Can you will it, will your car run real well if you don't put pure fuel in it? No. What if you got water mixed in your fuel? What's your car gonna do? Die. <laughs> That's right. If it's got dirt in it or other junk in it, it's just not it's gonna foul up the works. Won't work. Nothing'll work unless it's pure. Now, it means free from moral defilement, without spot, not sullied or tarnished, incorrupt, undebased by moral turpitude. I look up those words to know what they mean. It just means filthy living. It, pure means holy. Holiness is not holiness. If it's not pure, if there's not purity there. Genuine, real, true, incorrupt, unadulterated, as pure religion in James 1. Unmixed, separate from any other subject or from everything foreign. As so we kind of get the picture, don't we? It means chaste. C-H-A-S-T-E. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, the elder women he's instructing Timothy about the order of the church and how everybody's supposed to act toward one another toward the elderly the elder women the men in the church are supposed to act treat them as mothers the younger as sisters 
with all purity. And it means just exactly what it says. And you know what matter that he's talking about. What's going on in the churches? The opposite. Webster's Dictionary says chaste means pure from all unlawful commerce of the sexes. Applied to persons before marriage, it signifies pure from all sexual commerce, undefiled, applied to a married person, true to the marriage. All right. Free from obscenity. Oh. So a Christian is supposed to be chaste. Right? Yes. Free from obscenity. Hmm. What about these cussing Christians? What about these foul-mouthed Christians? What about these Christians that are always using these uh, minced oaths? Hmm? It's not pure. It's defiled. It's defilement. Oh. While they behold your chaste conversation, Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 3, in language pure, genuine, uncorrupt, free from barbarous words and phrases and from quaint, uh, affected and extravagant expressions. All right. That's enough of the dictionary. So we know that purity is something that a child of God should strive for. Do you think that as a child of God, you should have a pure heart, a pure mind, a pure conscience? Yes. It's very important. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Is everybody else going to, too? I mean, are they going to see God the same way the pure in heart do? Is it going to be the same for them as it is for the pure? No! The Bible talks about nothing is going to enter into heaven that defileth. So heaven must be a pure place for pure souls. Not a filthy place. Not a place where it's available. Uh, Tolerable, tolerated at all. We know that purity is the thing that God works to achieve in our life here. He works on us about that. If the Spirit of God is in you, He's going to work on you about cleanliness and impurity. We know that impurity is death in the pot as far as our life is concerned. And we know that. But Jeff mentioned over there the, how it is that phrases in the Bible... This, there's things that just cover a lot of territory. Like one he, he mentioned was acceptable unto God. Mm-hmm. What is acceptable unto God? So do you think that any kind of filth is acceptable to God? In our mind, in our heart, in our life, in our mouth? Yes. Is it? Yes. No, it's not acceptable to God. We somewhat understand the dangers of uncleanness when it comes to matters of the physical like food and drink. Now, we've been going on this trip. We went in a McDonald's and I could tell when I walked in the door. Can you tell when you walk in the door of a restaurant, especially a place like that, if it's clean or not? How can you tell? The smell. You can smell it when you come in the door. And if you can't smell it that way, go to the bathroom. Oh yeah, check it out because the kitchen will look just like the bathroom the kitchen ain't going to be no cleaner than the bathroom is mm-hmm. that's where they're cooking your food there's your hint that's the truth if they won't clean the bathroom they won't clean the kitchen mm-hmm. it's a cross the board thing if you're unclean you're unclean in everything that's right 
If you're unclean at home, you'll be unclean at work. So think of all those people that are cooking your food and got their hands on your food and breathing on your food and letting their hair fall in your food. You, if you could go home and see where they live, you'd stay out of that place. <laughs> no one wants stuff in their food that isn't food. You don't want stuff in your food that ain't food. Pure is, is clean. It's unmixed. It's not got anything in it, but what's supposed to be in it. Pure. You find stuff in your food, you throw it out, don't you? You find a fly in your food, do you just say, well, that fly won't eat too much and just keep on eating, let him go? No, not usually, do you? Was that you there today, Esther? She crunched a gnat. Well, it was an accident, but... Yeah. This time of year, you know, there's bugs everywhere. It takes effort to maintain cleanliness in your food, your drink, your heart, your mind, your conscience, your spirit, your soul. It takes effort to keep it clean. Does your house just stay clean by itself? Do you have to really try to mess it up? No. It's going to get dirty unless you fight it. you got to keep working at it. And you can't never let up. That's the way it is in your soul and your spirit. That's the way it is in the Christian life. you got to resist evil. You gotta resist the filth of this world in your mind, in your heart, in your soul, in your spirit, in your conscience. Because it'll all be defiled if you don't. Nobody wants anything in his drink that's not supposed to be there. It's just one of those things. You know, we one of the first trips we went to Mexico, Dwight Parker, he was talking to somebody and they said, You better watch that soda down there because they they don't wash them bottles and there's you'll liable to find anything in a bottle of soda. Well, we lived there for three years and we never found anything in a bottle of soda. But Dwight, in the few days we were there, bought a soda and guess what he found in it? <laughs> you don't want to know, do you? It wasn't real bad. It was just a bottle cap that was bent down in there. There's been worse things found in soda. Yes, like a frog. Or a mouse. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Or things like that. Now, if you went to up that soda and you seen a mouse in it, would you just say, <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, who would do that? Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody would do that. We resist the filth in our food and drink and anything like that. Even if you're an unclean person, something like that's way beyond. I mean, they're picky about stuff like that. No one wants to eat food or drink that's spoiled or corrupted. You don't, you know, that is... You just don't want to eat something that's rotten. Had a guy, man up the mill this morning, lonely old man. He's lost his wife and all of his family to cancer in just the last few years, and he's alone. But he told me he he, fry, he cooked some pork chops on his uh, grill last night, and he just did enough to last him a day or two. Well, he got up this morning, and there was those three other pork chops. He left them out. He forgot and left them out all night. 
he said he guessed he was just going to throw them away or feed them to the dog because he just couldn't take a chance on it. See? I mean, even if it costs you a lot of money and you put a lot into it, it ain't worth it if it's corrupted, if it's filthy, if it's going to make me sick. If it's going to do something like that, I don't want to bring that stuff into my body. I wish we were that particular with everything else. Yes, sir. I wish we were that particular with the moral filth and the verbal filth and, the, and just the evil thoughts and everything of the world. I wish we would be that particular. Don't you think we should? Which you think is more important? The filth in our food, the pollution in our food or drink? Or the pollution that gets in your soul from looking and listening and taking in what from the world. Their corrupt ways of thinking. Their corrupt ways of talking. Their corrupt ways of living. I think it's much worse. Yes, sir. We don't even want to eat in unclean vessels or with unclean utensils. I don't know if you do it or not, but if I go to a restaurant, even at home, when I, before I put that fork in my mouth, I look at it and I feel of it. You know what I find once in a while? Food that was in somebody else's mouth before I got that fork. So guess what I do? I go get another fork. That ain't clean. Do you do that? If we've got a, you know, sanitation in our surroundings. What do you do if you get vermin? That's mice, rats. What if one gets in your house? You just say, oh, well, he ain't going to eat much. It's war. (laughs) They get in the barn out there and they, you know, I have a roll of shop towels and I keep it stuck on the drill press where I don't know how they get to it. They fly, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> or they can jump off a hive. They'll get up there and chew it all to pieces. I had a bag of paper trash in the barn that I was waiting to burn in the slab pile. And when we come home, I went out there and there's a hole chewed in the bottom of it and little pieces of paper everywhere. So I got my bucket with my little bottle on top. <laughs> put my peanut butter around it. Put some water in the bottom. Put it out there. And he died last night. <laughs> drowned to death and it's there tonight for the rest of his family <laughs> I, we don't put up with them in our house do you? No. they crawl all over your food and they chew holes in your uh, what would you say bag of beans black eyed peas yeah I mean they're just nasty they, if there are a lot of them you can smell them if there's very many they start leaving a smell in your house and if you poison them, they stink forever. Yes. We don't tolerate it. I mean, it's just amazing to me how we won't tolerate the filth in a lot of these areas and then we tolerate it in our soul. Anything that would spread disease or sickness, do you kind of watch out for that? I mean, you know, mosquitoes, they spread disease. Do you pile tires around your house so they can hatch out in bunches of them? Do you make it easier for them? Possible. Do you make it easier for disease to spread around your house? No. 
What about uh, a lot of people don't want to live surrounded, most people don't want to live surrounded by filth. It, what, what do you do if you get a wound like a cut? Do you work to keep it clean or do you just let it go? What happens if you don't keep it clean? It gets infected. Do you know what that word means? It means tainted with noxious matter. Corrupted by poisonous exaltations. Corrupted by bad qualities communicated. Infection comes from somebody else. Something else. Something dirty gets into you. That's infection. Y'all listening? Yes, sir. A big part of the law in the Old Testament had to do with what was clean and what was unclean. And when God judged them, as I've told you over and over, that was one of the main issues that God brought up. The priests and the prophets have failed to show my people the difference between the clean and the unclean. It just got to where it didn't matter. Clean, unclean didn't matter. It does matter. It matters to God because it matters in life here. It makes a difference in life and death. A big, you know, if you don't, if you get a cut on your hand, your leg, your arm, on your body, anywhere, and you don't keep it clean and it gets infected, do you realize that you can lose a, a limb? You can lose your life? There's a lot of people, now there's so much uncleanness around us. Do you wonder why that people die of infections now? It goes septic and they die? I never heard of that years ago. You didn't go to the hospital and get infections years ago. You went to the hospital to get cured of them. Now you better get out of the hospital as fast as you can if they've cut on you because you're going to get staph infection. Why? Where do you get it from? Where does it come from? Where does the infection come from? It comes from uncleanness from somebody else. From something else. The place is not clean. Hmm. It was the duty of God's priests and prophets to teach the people the difference between the clean and the unclean and to warn them of the dangers of the unclean. Because it brings about death. Y'all hear me. This, This applied to both physical and spiritual purity because... They're definitely connected and there cannot be one without the other. Now, did you hear what I said? If there's physical uncleanness, there'll be spiritual uncleanness. Cleanliness is next to godliness. You ever hear that? That's a true statement. That is a biblical statement. The Bible doesn't say cleanliness is next to godliness, but you can figure it out if you read the Bible. When you watch somebody slide into uncleanness outwardly, you're going to soon see their inward uncleanness too. It'll, it'll break out. You ever see it? I can think of people when I say that. The outward indifference toward uncleanness is evidence of an inward indifference toward uncleanness and toward cleanliness 
They don't care anymore. When, when they will tolerate foulness on the outside, they'll tolerate it on the inside, in their mind and in their heart. Y'all need to listen to this. I know there's just a few of us here tonight, but you ought to really catch this. It's very important. I've watched it through the years, and I can go back and remember, and I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. What, what, where does the difference come from? Where does defilement come from? Uncleanness. How, does, how do people drift off into this uncleanliness where they really don't care so much? We talked about the food and the drink and all of that. But I've seen people just say, oh well, and just drink it anyway. And everybody laughs and thinks it's funny. I'm going to tell you where it starts. It starts with an unclean spirit. Did you ever read about an unclean spirit in the Bible? Yes, sir. It's a New Testament thing mostly. That unclean spirit. Now the Old Testament talks about uncleanliness physical. The unclean animals. The, the, the lepers unclean. You know, the different things that are unclean and clean are listed in the Old Testament. But when you come to the New Testament, you find unclean spirit one time in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, I believe it's 24 times, 23. Right? I, I counted, I forgot, I didn't write it down. But you see it a lot. When Jesus came in, what spirit that he cast out, which one's mentioned more than any other? The unclean spirit. It's the root of everything else. The deaf and dumb spirit. You know, all those other spirits. The unclean spirit is the root of all of it. Starts with an unclean spirit. That which is unclean just doesn't bother you so much anymore. You can just live in it. You can eat it. You can drink it. It just doesn't matter to you. You know, it's a thing now where people eat nasty things. And it's okay. I mean, it's popular. It's trending, as the world says. Eating nasty things. Do you think that is acceptable to God? Do you think that's godliness? What are you talking about? Well, what are people eating nowadays? What do you think about somebody who eats bugs and worms and stuff like that? Even children know better. Ants, crickets, grasshoppers. You know, what... what Creepy, crawly things. We're going down the hill today on the four-wheeler with the kids, and I said, that's where we killed a rattlesnake the other day. They said, well, where's it at? And I said, well, something made it. They said, ooh... Well, it's poison. I said, well, you know, it's poison if it bites you. But I said, some people eat them. Now, whose idea is it to eat a rattlesnake? And where does that idea come from? And this is offensive to people because people are so unclean that they don't even realize and will not face up to the fact 
that there is such a thing as clean and unclean. God didn't even have to mention that for people to know that it's not, that's not food. It just don't matter anymore. That unclean spirit, its first effect on you is that you just don't care that much anymore. Cleanliness is so hard to maintain that you just quit trying so hard. Who cares? Why should I clean the floor? Because it's just going to get messed up tomorrow. Why should I wash the dishes? Because they're just going to get dirty again. Why should I put the clothes away? Just throw them in the floor in the living room. I've known a lot of people that do. They just go get their clothes out of a pile. I knew one family that they had an, uh, stairs that went upstairs and you couldn't even see the steps. It was just a ramp that went upstairs. It had clothes, dirty clothes all piled on it. And they stayed there. They didn't go nowhere. We went to your uncle's house one night visiting and there was a pile of clothes right in front of us in the floor in front of the couch. And I sat there and watched as the cockroaches just went in and out and they were just working alive in it. Yep. Stunk in there. Yes. Animals in there. That's another thing, you know. I can't even say nothing about it because everybody does it now. But people didn't used to do that. Animals are unclean. They're unclean. They don't belong in your house. They belong outside. They're, they're unclean. A dog is an unclean animal. A cat is too. So is a pig. I know people that have pigs in their house. I've known several. I mean, how far, how low are we going to go with this thing now? Pigs? For pets in the house? Snakes for pets? What's wrong with somebody like that? They've got an unclean spirit. Cleanliness is hard to maintain, so you just give up. And then, you know what you do? You begin to have contempt for people who demand cleanliness. You despise them. Why? Because of your guilt for not caring. Like a frog in, a, in the pot, like we've, you've heard so many times, you slowly acclimate to the foulness of your surroundings until you don't smell the stink anymore. That's, true. That's right. That's exactly what happens. You ever get behind somebody in the line at Walmart that smells so bad that it just makes you want to throw up? And did you ever wonder why they can't smell that? Did you ever wonder why? They're so used to it, they don't even smell it. That's just how it works with your soul, your heart, your mind. You get so used to that filth, that filthy talk, that filthy thought, those filthy everything that you don't, it don't even shock you anymore. It doesn't move you. It doesn't bother you. It's just the way it is. You don't think about it. You get away from it for a while. And then you come back to where it's at, you're going to, it'll shock you. It'll startle you. It'll bother you. 
And then you then you surround yourself with people who are as polluted and defiled as you are because it quiets your conscience. And and it allows your conscience to be defiled as well as your heart, your mind, your spirit. Misery loves company, you know. Birds of a feather flock together. Hand though hand join in hand. Unclean people, unclean spirits. They join together. Everybody does what everybody else does. It's something to be considered. You know, that the unclean spirits that Jesus cast out of that maniac, where did they want to go? Into that herd of swine. Why did they want to go into the swine? Did you ever wonder that? Well, what's about the most unclean animal? Why'd they want to go in there? Because they felt at home in the filth. Yes. In the stench. They liked it there. Because they were of the same caliber. Well, obvious question that comes to my mind is what must be the state of a person's soul, their heart, their mind, that an unclean spirit would feel welcome there? Think about that. The unclean spirit is the first step toward being impure and polluted. What is an unclean spirit? How does an unclean spirit enter into a person? The same way any other spirit enters into a person. Through their mind and into their heart. Do you ever wonder how a spirit enters into a person? Do they sneak up on them and grab them and break their way in? No, they come in through your mind and into your heart. That's how spirit comes in. That's how an unclean spirit comes in. Alright, so the pollution enters into our hearts and minds as we allow our eyes and ears to take it in from the world around us. You just go ahead and drink it. You just go ahead and eat it. Even though you know it has corruption in it. You just go ahead anyway. The unclean spirit says, ah, it don't matter. Everybody else is doing it. So what? Ain't going to hurt. You just close your eyes and do it. Y'all connecting everything here. Everything vile and filthy that we know about, that you know about, you learned it from the world around us. Children are not born knowing profanity. They don't know how, they don't know any words. They don't know how to say anything. <clears throat> they would never know unless somebody taught them. Ain't that right? Where are they going to learn it? Is it born in them? Is God pre-programmed it in their little minds and hearts? No. They hear it from the world. Their idea, you know, well, I won't go that way. We'll just hurry up here. The herd of swine happened to be too close to that day to that man with the unclean spirit. They perished because of that. Poor hogs. They just happened to be too close. <clears throat> you get too close, guess what's going to happen to you? <coughs> Those unclean spirits that were in that man that made him absolutely insane cutting himself and crying naked in the tombs. 
<coughs> they went into the hogs. And the hogs perished. They ran off a cliff and drowned in the sea. <clears throat> when you hang around people with unclean spirits, you'll soon have one too. <clears throat> you will. <coughs> you have one occupying your mind and heart. Let me have a drink. Yeah. You hang around people with unclean spirits. You think you know any of anybody like that? Yeah. <clears throat> you think you work around any? Got any in your family? <clears throat> <clears throat> Their filth infects your mind and your heart and then your life. A lot of people when they get wounded <clears throat> in their spirit or soul or heart or mind that's where they 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 go <clears throat> they don't protect themselves and they get infected with the filth of the world because they run to the world instead of to god instead of somewhere clean and pure where they could heal <clears throat> that wound they run to where it's filthy and corrupt you know what happens to them a lot of times they die. Yeah. Their potty mouths soon have the foul. Soon, the, their potty mouths soon have foul things coming out of your mouth. <clears throat> That's true. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, "It's what comes out of the mouth is what defiles a man, not what he goes in." <clears throat> You know, the things you take into your mouth don't defile you. What defiles your soul and everything is what comes out of your mouth. Well, how did it get in your heart? Through your mind, through your heart, out your mouth, you're defiled. Right. Yes, sir. Their foul thoughts soon infect your thoughts. And even your mind and conscience are defiled. As Titus says in chapter 1 verse 15, Under the pure all things are pure, but unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. So it's an indisputable fact that people become like the people they are around. Is that true? It is true. The only exception is when they rebel against what those people and what and want to be something different. And it works both ways. <laughs> people that have an unclean spirit and they're around clean people and in a clean environment, <laughs> they rebel against the clean and run to the filth. If you have an unclean spirit and you're defiled and you ever want to be clean again, you have to rebel against the filthiness and run the other way. <clears throat> Those whose minds are invaded by an unclean spirit rebel against all that is clean and holy and pure. And those whose minds are invaded by the Holy Spirit of God rebel against all that is filthy and foul and unclean. <clears throat> that tells the story. When you see somebody that is unclean, <coughs> now I'm not talking about outwardly, but it's connected. 
If you live continually filthy in your body, in your habits, in your manners, then you'll be filthy on the inside. If you're filthy on the inside, you'll be filthy on the outside too. That's why Jesus said cleanse first that which is on the inside of the platter. The outside may be clean also. It goes together. Uncleanness leads to sickness and death, whether it's physical or spiritual uncleanness. And if you don't want to live a miserable life and even die from the filth, you've you got to separate yourself from it. <clears throat> I can't stand it. <clears throat> you know, I just can't stand it. I've had to do some things that were terrible. <clears throat> I won't even talk about it tonight. Jobs and things. and There's things we have to do. What do you do when your septic tank plugs up? What do you women do? You get a shovel and go out there and tackle it? Uh, not usually. Now, Stacy might. I don't know. But <laughs> most of them say, do something. The toilet won't flush. Or it's running out of the ground out there. Do something. Well, somebody's got to do something. <clears throat> I've had to do it lots of times. It's terrible. It's filthy. It's offensive. It's yuck. But it's just something that has to be done. How would anybody want to live in that kind of a filth all the time? Just not bothering. I don't know how to get it across that it's much worse. The filth, the stench, the uncleanness of a heart and a mind. It's much worse. It stinks much worse. It defiles much more. It affects so much more of our life than a a sewer that's plugged up or something. To be clean takes some effort, but it's very much worth it. Don't you think so? (laughs) When you clean your house and everything's clean, when you clean your kitchen and it's all clean and things are put away, isn't isn't there some kind of a pleasant feeling about that when I come in from working all day and I'm covered with sawdust and sweat and and chiggers and everything else it feels good to get a shower and get some clean dry clothes on I feel a lot better and if I didn't everybody else wouldn't feel better about me would they (laughs) Is that right, brother man? Yes, sir. <laughs> it matters. It's what's wrong in the churches. There's so much uncleanness in this heart and in the mind. I ain't done with this, but I've got to quit. But I'm just, this is just a little introduction here to it. The purity is lost on this generation in the churches somehow we've got to understand this and somehow we've got to get back on the track how are we going to be pure in such an unclean world I've often said this is the septic tank of the universe and it is 
We're immersed in it. We're swimming in it. How are we going to maintain purity in such an environment? Well, it's going to require some separation. Yes. But it's also going to require some sanctification. Yes. God has to help us. God has to make us pure. But it, we have the responsibility also. God can't make us pure if we won't quit drinking out of the polluted fountains of this world. If we won't keep our eyes and ears away from it, God can't help us. And it's going to destroy everything if we don't get a hold of this and understand it. To be sanctified is to be made clean. And hopefully we'll deal with that later. But it takes effort to stay clean. Taking a bath or shower or whatever takes some effort. (laughs) We're not (laughs) self-cleaning. We're corruptible. Someday this corruptible must put on incorruption. But as of now, we're corruptible. We need to understand that. And we need to be pure. And we also need to live clean. Cleanliness matters. If it don't matter to you, then then moral cleanliness doesn't matter either. It always goes together. When you find a you know how when if you ever read many missionary stories and stuff or uh, where they found the people and what condition they found them in like in Africa in the islands jungle people what kind of were they clean or unclean oh very unclean I've read about uh, one of the tribes I won't even say their name but in in Africa but they they wore animal entrails around their necks for that's how they decorated their bodies they were just absolutely so bad that the the i read where the ship's captain and stuff wrote in his log about how they were just so filthy that it actually made you sick if you got within wind, wind range of them they stunk so bad and they lived that way but guess what else about them? They were more. They were immoral as animals. They had no morals, no kind of boundaries on anything. It always goes together. Out of the abundance of the heart, it's what's on the inside that counts. Well, if it's clean on the inside, it'll be clean on the outside. I care about what's in between them prongs on the fork. (laughs) Not just what's on the top of them. I look in between them too. Do you? Or you just don't care. Ah. (laughs) People don't care. I've got to stop. But I mean people just don't care about what's clean and unclean anymore. You better care. It matters, it's significant, it leads to spiritual uncleanness. Father, thank you for the Word of God. I know this is true. And I pray you'd help us to understand it and apply it in our lives. 
Help us to live clean. Outwardly, inwardly. Help us to purify ourselves. He that hath this hope, speaking of your return, he that hath this hope in himself, in him purifieth himself. It's a fact. If we are looking for you to come, we want to be clean when you find, when you, when you come. We don't want to be found by you unprepared and un, and filthy. Lord help us. Help the folks to understand this. Help these young ones to understand it too. In Jesus' name, amen.